Welcome back to the Sully Scoop for three lifelong Husker pros dive in depth on all surrounding the new era of Husker football, where our cups never run dry of the roulade under head coach Matt Rule, made by fans for fans with J Cell, B Cell, and T Cell. Guess what time it is? So it is start of season three here on the Sully Scoop with the spring game being over, getting ready for this season under head coach. Matt Rule, in his first year, we are bringing in a special guest this week to talk about it, is Chazzy. Welcome back, Chazzy. And I got to tell you, boys, after riding so high on this offseason national championship, nice to see the boys live again, hitting, flying around the field. And let me tell you something. I got a hard reality check here. I don't know how I feel about this team going into next season. I've read a couple things and everybody's talking that the defense is really this good and it made the offense look bad, but the offense is better. And I got to tell you guys something. I think the offense is better than this defense. And I think both units looked terrible. Yeah. Welcome again. Yeah. Welcome again, Chazzy and Beasel. I am right there with you. But it, again, it's just the spring game. They're learning a whole new offense, whole new set, whole new defense. You're learning everything. And the only guys who have a leg up on everybody else is the guy who has to go out there and punt the ball or kick the ball because it doesn't matter who your coach is. You're doing the same thing. But I, I just I don't know at, at the end of the spring game and if I should start whacking my head on the wall now or should start looking at flights to the uh, national championship. I can tell you right now, you're not looking at flights to the national championship. This was a reality check right here. And I got to tell you, boys, it is not a 12-0 season coming this year. As much as the schedule lines up for it, it is not. This team is not going 12-0. The fact that the red team only scored on an incomplete pass, that they failed to call an incomplete, incomplete pass, and they ruled it a fumble, is a joke. So, B, so let me just get this straight. So because of a practice you were able to watch, you have now flipped the script and came back to reality to where you're now chanting that they are not going to be going 12-0 and and are not going to be the crowned national champions and are not going to be the Big Ten champs. Is that correct? Now, Jay, so listen here. I might be running a little dry on the roulette after this scrimmage here. Yes. I do not think they are going 12-0. and 0. Ask me in a couple of weeks when I'm buying in on the hype again. But this was a this was like an opening week of the season. This was like week zero last year in Ireland against Northwestern. This was like getting hit by a train after all the hype buildup. And I gotta tell you something. It just it didn't look pretty. So now it sounds like you're going to be buying in that week two when we play Colorado, that is going to be the biggest game for the Huskers next season. And that is what is it sound like? It's not like? going to be the biggest game of the season. My guess is it's going to be against an uh, no-win Northwestern team when we're both playing for last place in the Big Ten West. Well, that is just nonsense this guy is spitting out here. But I do want to say that there was some big things to take away from this game it is that thomas fedone actually saw himself wearing some cleats wearing some pads and getting on the field that is something special 
First of all, Jeff Sims is going to be the quarterback when we take the field week one against Minnesota, up in Minnesota. There's no doubt about that. And I just want to see, I just want to say, Billy Kemp is going to be all over the field for this offense when the season kicks off. It's going to be like, uh, just like Wandale Robinson should have been doing for Scott Frost when Scott Frost was here. But Scott Frost did not know how to use this guy. And I am thinking that Matt Rule is going to give this guy an opportunity to play a little short, quick, slant route type of runner. Wow, Jason, That was just the cap that I needed to welcome myself back onto this silly scoop. I couldn't be happier than ever knowing after watching that game that the best thing we did was the tunnel walk. And let me tell you, they've never let us down during that thing. If that doesn't get your chest rising before any Husker game, then you might as well just walk your way out the door because that's the only thing that we that we did well all day long. And B-Sol, of all people on this podcast, I think I can't even fathom that your Kool-Aid sprung the worst leak I've ever heard coming out of your mouth right now after your glorious last few months of just up talking this season. I think it's absurd. Well, I do want to say that B-Sol's out here trashing the red team because they didn't score. The red team had Purdy on it. The red team had this Torres, who B-Sol has been hyping up since he got to campus, since he got recruited. And I have never seen a worse quarterback than Torres. You know what? It was funny because he wasn't even starting over Chubba Purdy. Or should I call him Chubba Turdy? Because this guy is awful. The red team looked pathetic. And that defense was the only thing that was going to be able to score for them when they took the field. But the white team, on the other hand, looked phenomenal. And I can't wait to see... Jeff Sims out here slinging it for the Huskers and making men miss when that offensive line breaks down like we know they're gonna. Jason, I couldn't agree with you more there, buddy. But I got, and I can't even believe that this is going to come out of my mouth, a hot take for everybody because I know how much you guys just love shooting those across the board. I think Jeff Sims... And uh, whatever that guy's name is we got from West Virginia, because I already forgot. Billy, who daddy, might as well call him, are going to break records one season. You heard it here first. Now, listen, here's a couple of things just to piggyback on it. Jason, Jeff Sims absolutely did look like the best quarterback on the field, but he also was competing against three guys who have never seen college action and Chubba Purdue, who's like the worst quarterback on the roster. He throws a worse ball than Logan Smothers and Taylor Martinez kid combined. So Jeff Sims looking great is phenomenal to see, but it's also Casey Thompson didn't play. So you didn't have a guy stretching the field there. You had Jeff which, Sims trying to try to complete one of these some guys? deep passes. Which one of these guys that wasn't Jeff Sims was going to lead your team to 12 and 0? That's all I'm asking. I think it would have been a combination of Jeff Sims and Casey Thompson. But what I am more upset about seeing here, JSL, is the fact that the most explosive players on the team are two guys that we had on the team the last couple of years. You had Gabe Irvin Jr., who looked healthy for the first time 
since his injury his freshman year, which was great to see. And then you had Ramir Johnson, who again, he touches the ball, he rips off a long gain, and then you don't see him again. And I'm really hoping that Matt Rule decides to utilize Ramir Johnson because I cannot go up for another season where Ramir comes in, rips off a first down gain, and then you never see him again. Biso, this was the spring game. I'm not trying to see these guys out there for the entire game putting in 100% and 10% effort. No, they should be out there the whole game. I don't care if it's a practice. We're talking about practice this week. And they should be out there the entire game. This team has been pathetic the last six seasons, and especially the last five under Frost. So if you're going to sit here and tell me that it's a practice, take it easy, lighthearted, let's have fun. No, you got to get out there. You got to knock some heads. You got to get these kids playing violent. So, Beesaw, well, I do couple... want to point out. I want to point out one more thing before I let you talk there, T. So, the Beesaw's out here chiming in that our running backs looked all so great and everything. This is the same defense that we saw last year. I mean, most of these guys are all the same. They're all going to get pushed off the line. Our defense was one of the worst defenses in all of college football last year. How are you going to come out here and just start hyping up the running backs that we have had? We've seen what they could do. Do you really think it's the offense got that much better? Well, I just got to mention a couple things here, Jay. So you want to talk about rushing. Biso wants to talk about rushing. I I did not see Gabe Irvin having a great spring game. Personally, I think he had a pretty average spring game. I mean, the guy averaged a little over two yards a carry. That's pretty garbage. I want my running back at least over three yards a carry. Again, Anthony Grant, also a little over two yards a carry. He had 14 carries. Gabe Irvin had eight carries. So I wouldn't say that those two guys had a strong showing, but Ramir Johnson's the standout. He had six carries, 35 yards. That's a good average right there. You got to get that guy the ball more. Allen, also a little over two yards a carry. He's a little closer to three than than uh, Grant. Um, but, but, yeah, I mean, when you look at the offense and what they did, let's remember they only played one half of football technically, and Sims didn't play in the second quarter. He only played in the first quarter. So, to me, this looked very similar to the season that we just watched with the offense, where when Casey Thompson was in, our offense was rolling, and as soon as he got injured or missed a game, our offense you know, couldn't figure a single thing out. And so it'll be nice to have Casey Thompson back next season, hopefully healthy and looking like he did this past season, and then you could have Sims and Thompson, and, and you're, you're pretty safe with either one of those guys because – Based on what we saw from from Purdy all last season, I'm surprised this guy even still has a scholarship. He needs to get transferred out of here. ASAP. Torres, I mean, he's, what, a redshirt freshman now? So give him practice, give him work. Hopefully you don't actually have to use it in the field. And I'm pretty sure uh, Harburg is looking to be an athlete because he knows he's not going to be playing as a quarterback. The writing is on the wall for him as a quarterback. I believe he is the quarterback who came out and said sometime in spring practice that he's athletic enough to play a different position. So I want, maybe they give him the ball in a wildcat. Maybe they put him as a slot wide receiver. Maybe they throw him on defense. He's a guy, he's an athlete. You got to put him out there on the field, just not as your starting quarterback. Because 
uh, passing two for nine is not going to get it done, especially against whatever third and fourth stringers you were playing out there. But I agree with Jason. Billy Kemp, the fourth, was putting on a show. This guy is going to light up this season. He's going to sell sell the tickets. He's going to put the fans in the seats because this guy has the ability to score every time he touches the ball. He's got those, those cuts in him. He's got the quickness, the speed. He's a guy to watch out for. Now, Tiesel, I'm not going to be the one that wants to just fact check you here. But Gabe Irvin did look decent for a guy coming off an ACL where he had not played a healthy season or more than two games ever in his college career. So it was nice to see him out there making cuts and actually running through people. But also, Jeff Sims played throughout the entire game. He had snaps in the first, second, third, and fourth quarter of the spring game. So can you tell me how you noticed him only out there for the first quarter? You saw that was the only quarter worth watching because the guy was putting on a show. And also that's when the brewski starts to kick in and you don't know who is out there. Now, T-Cell, the Brewskies might have been hitting you there right at the end of the first quarter. And I got to tell you something. There's a couple things that I took away here that you might have missed because you were just enjoying the Huskers being back on the field. And let me tell you something. This was a scouting opportunity. And that's what I'm trying to get across to you boys. Jeff Sims looked great on the first drive. There were a lot of positives I took away from that. However... He missed a couple wide open wide receivers, and that's been his knack since we recruit or since he transferred in from Georgia Tech was his deep ball accuracy. If you've got somebody who takes the top off the defense, you got to hit him there. You got to score. You saw that with Casey last year when he had Trey Palmer breaking open. Now, granted, we don't have the same caliber wide receivers this year. However, Billy Kemp did look like he can catch pretty much anything which was fantastic but again a guy that's a little more accurate in casey thompson i would have loved to see him have the opportunity to connect with billy kemp i would have liked to see that it would have been real nice to see be able to sit here and compare after the spring game how jeff sims played and how casey played because i thought jeff sims best play of the entire game was where he ran over our linebacker to score a touchdown B saw him right there with you. Best play of the day for Jeff Sims was that touchdown run. And getting a quarterback to be able to run something like that is such a such an ace in the hole. That's the Adrian Martinez play. You get inside the red zone. Just Martinez would have fumbled it. But on the plays when he didn't. He was in the end zone. He was either fumbling the ball or getting in the end zone. There was no in between. And and that's what you loved because you knew he was getting in there. It's just his accuracy downfield, not so great. But we'll save that for a different day. If we run a – I mean, it's possible we run a two-quarterback system, but I hope that they just pick one or the other, roll with it because injuries happen. You know, uh, maybe the guy doesn't play that great rolling one guy in one guy out but you got to stick one guy he's your guy to start every game and then 
you decide at halftime if you you keep him out there. But I'm surprised nobody mentioned yet the biggest L that Nebraska University took this past weekend. And that L was this little blind mascot we got running out there on the field, blonde-haired Herbie. What is with this guy's warts on the side of his face? It just looks very odd, and it makes me wish that we had this uh, brunette uh, Herbie Husker back because I am not loving this blonde Herbie-looking dude. Now, Tiesel, you better better watch yourself here because that's what will get you canceled here. Blonde Herbie is back and we have been waiting for this day. We are taking it back to the 90s, as JSL likes to call it. Take us back to a time when things were easier. Things were simpler. The Huskers were winning. Life was good. And that's where we're headed. First off, it's Blonde Herbie. Next off, it's bringing back the kids who are alumni sons. And I think Blonde Herbie's the first step in ensuing and ensuring that Dylan Rayola signs with the Huskers here, and we add another legacy to the team. And another thing that I want to ask, too, I saw that they were honoring uh, Frank Solich at the at the game. I'm kind of confused. Like, what did Frank Solich ever do for us? The last I heard, when he left, he gave us all the Billy Goat curse. So I'm kind of confused as to, why we're honoring a guy who accomplished not very much at the University of Nebraska. What are you talking about? He didn't accomplish a lot at the university. He played fullback for the Huskers as a player. He was an he assistant never won a championship. coach. Assistant coach with the oh, Huskers. Tom Osborne would have won that without him, hands down. He was, had nothing to do with those championship teams. Okay, you, you done spitting on Solich before I even get he, to the point. He, yes, because Solich took over these teams that were ready to keep winning national championships and just crap the bed. As they say, he needed to get it done and he did not get it done. He uh, recruited monkey. the last oh, no, Heisman no, no. winner for Nebraska. I don't care about Heisman's. I care about championships. And he inherited a team that should have won Way more championship. If Tom Osborne had stayed coaching, Nebraska would have at least six more championships, and they would all be in a row. It would be like Nick Saban's Alabama. But Tom Osborne decided to call it quits, and he set Frank Solich up that literally, like, all you have to do is be there, and you will at least win three rings. And he couldn't even win us one. So why are we naming fields after him and – giving him locker rooms. It's simply the fact that Frank Solich was the guy who could have kept Nebraska winning and moving in the right direction. And the fact is he was fired by a guy who wanted to go a different direction, who wanted to step out of Tom Osborne's shadow and Steve Pedersen, who was a horrible, horrible athletic director hire and he stepped in and set Nebraska on a downward spiral. He let Solich go and it turned into the Bill Callahan nonsense. And then it just kept spiraling. And then they hired Tom back after they let Pedersen go to say, Hey, you know, come stop the bleeding. And he tried, 
He brought in Bo Pelini and then stepped away again. And then you ended up with the I-Course nonsense. And that spiraled even further. Steve Pedersen letting go of Frank Solich is what started this nonsense. 100% disagree there. Frank Solich was on the way out. And clearly he needed to go based on his coaching record. I mean, I wasn't to lie for it, but I could just tell looking at his stats versus what Tom Osborne was putting out there. It was an embarrassment what this guy was doing at the university. After winning and going 15, 15 and one and winning a championship or 13 and one, whatever the heck it is, he takes this team and makes them nine and four. Then the next season he goes 12 and one. Tom Osborne would have been undefeated and won a championship there. Then the next season he went 10 and two. Tom Osborne would have been undefeated. Then he went 11 and two. Tom Osborne would have been undefeated again, folks. That would have been three in a row. And then the next season he goes seven and seven. I don't believe Tom Osborne ever lost seven games at Nebraska. Clearly he was on the downtrend. They needed to change something. Bill Callahan was not the answer because when you look at Frank Sulich, he was at Ohio for 15 or 16 years. He didn't do much of anything at Ohio. Well, uh, I don't even know where to start after that rant from the two of you because, I mean, I had something and I, now I just am like lost in my own words. Is it what I was? I think what I want to jump back to is the fact that you said the biggest upset, or I don't even know what you said. Some the worst thing was the new mascot, which I can kind of back all up until the fact that I'm not even mad at the new mascot because I'm with Besol. Let's bring back old times who cares what he looks like i want to see how they hit them in the mouth because that's the nebraska football that i want to see i don't care what we look like i want to see what we do to the other teams that's my two cents on that but my biggest letdown who the heck let this five-star tight end on the field dropping passes all day long if there's anyone that i'm mad at it's eric gilbert screw that guy all right. Here I was thinking we finally got a tight end and we're screwed before the season even began. Now, Chazzy, I agree with you on that. Eric Gilbert did not look great, but here's the other side. And maybe the silver lining here is a, he's got to get better. And B Eric Gilbert technically still hasn't gotten a waiver to play for us after transferring. So he may get a whole year to sit out and really develop these hands before we get him on the field. But going right back to T-Cell here. Now, let me tell you something. He, Frank Solich, was another example of a horrible decision by an athletic director to fire somebody after a nine-win season. We are still trying to come back after the last guy they did that to. It's been a downward spiral, and Frank Solich had 58 wins for the program in his first six years. That's more than Tom Osborne had in his first six years. That's more than Bob Devaney had in his first six years. So that tells you right there that he was still winning games, regardless of what you felt about him. Now, B, so let me relate this back to current day football so you can maybe grasp what I'm throwing at you, okay? Tom Osborne set up anybody to be successful for life. It's like if your grandparents give you Berkshire Hathaway A and they give you 10 shares of that, you're set for life. 
unless you don't just go do stupid things with it. And that's clearly what Frank Solich did. It's like if Nick Saban, when he decides to step down from Alabama, whoever comes in at coach is going to have first pick of all the recruits, first pick of all the assistant coaches. They're going to have money thrown at them left and right. And if you go nine and four, that is an epic fail. You can't just hang your hat. Well, guys, we got nine wins in my first season. Nick Saban was getting 12 wins minimum every season. That's what we expect. That's what we expected out of Frank Solich. And the guy comes out with a nine and four season. Epic fail. I don't know what is so hard to grasp here. But regardless, if you take over a program that's been winning, you're going to come in, you're going to make changes to make it yours. It's not like he stepped in and said, hey, everything Coach Tom was doing, we're just going to keep it going. Coach Osborne. He should have done that. We were winning championships. I understand that. But each person has a different philosophy. So when he comes in, everything he tweaks there, it's a learning curve. He steps into a new role, so somebody has to replace what he was doing. So that right there is where you have people stepping into new roles, players learning new um, schemes and positions, and that is going to account for a learning curve. And you saw that where they stepped in, they went nine and four, and then they turned around the next season and they were 12 and one, 10 and two, 11 and two. Then they had a down year. But then he turned it around and was right back to winning games. And they said, no, 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 we're going to we're gonna cut off a nine-win coach here because he isn't my guy. And that's what Steve Pedersen said, and that's where the blame stems from. Well, B-Sol, I got to just hammer you again on this one. If B-Sol, nobody wants to listen <laughs> to you hammer past history here. The fact of the matter is, is Nebraska made a mistake when they let – Frank Solich go to turn around and hire Bill Callahan. And if you're sitting here telling me that that was the right move and that was going to put us in a great position, let me ask you, what position are we in 20 years later? Do you feel that it's a better position? Do you think letting Solich go to move on to Bill Callahan has put us in a great position 20 years later? You know, Frank Solich going seven and six at Ohio in 2019 really just doesn't feel that much different from where we are right now. Here's what I'm trying to say. If Frank Solich was the chosen one and he was sought after so bad as a coach, then why did he coach at Ohio for 15 years? He should have been coaching at Ohio State for 15 years if he was sought after. If if Tom Osborne was let go by Nebraska, every, every single uh, team – in the country, would have been calling to grab Tom Osborne. Not a single team came calling except for, apparently, the Ohio Bobcats, who, again, people don't tune in on a Saturday to watch. If Nick Saban fires you know, his offensive coordinator, you got teams like Florida State calling him up or Auburn. Frank Solich didn't have that. Same thing. See, I'm going to relate it. Okay, Frank firing Frank Solich was the right thing to do, but not having a plan of who to bring in, that was the wrong move. Bill Callahan, I'm not going to argue there. He was completely wrong. And it's the same thing with both. They Bellini. did have a plan. Bill Callahan had the paperwork signed for the job before they fired Solich. Well, that clearly wasn't a plan to make you successful. They were probably buddies before that, and he was doing his friend a favor, which ended up costing them both their jobs. But what I'm going to relate it to is the Bo Pelini saga, Bo Pelini got let go by Nebraska, and everyone's like, 
hold on, you're firing a nine-win coach. Well, apparently it didn't mean much because the guy goes to the guy goes to Youngstown State. And again, no major teams come calling for this guy because nobody wants him. LSU brought him in for one season as defensive coordinator. They don't even give him the respect as head coach. And they fire him within that first season of hiring him. Case set and closed. Well, T-Saw, I think you got to stop living in the past there, buddy. Move on to the future. We just spent way too much time talking about a guy that you didn't have any respect for, but it seems like you do because you keep talking about him. You got to pick a side. Which one is it? Past, present, or future? Yeah, you should be directing this at B-Saw. B-Saw's the one saying, if we didn't fire Frank Solich, we'd be the best team in the country. First off, I didn't say if we still had Frank Solich, we'd be the best team in the country. Sounded second like it off, to me. Second off, there is no reason we are not the best team in the country. Well, actually, B-Saw, I would like to point out that we had Mike Riley. And I believe Alabama had Nick Saban at that time. We had Scott Frost. I believe Alabama had Nick Saban at that time. We have Matt Rule. I believe Alabama had Nick Saban at that time. Uh, we did have Bo Pelini. I believe Alabama had Nick Saban at that time. Do you see the trend there, So It's called you stick with one coach and you let it ride until it dies. And that is what Michigan did with Jim Harbaugh. They finally gave him six years to finally beat Ohio State. I mean, it took him six years. We're not even giving coaches four. I mean, this... So, Jay, so you want to give Mike Riley four more years? You want to sit through four more years of that crap that they were throwing out there on the field? That is Move not what on I'm getting from at. sprinkles. That's not what I'm getting at. I'm saying if we still had Bo Pelini, we would be at a different spot today. But all I do want to say is we need to go back to the Gator Bowl or whatever you want to call it nowadays, the Tax Slayer Bowl, yada, yada. We need to go to that bowl game and lose. Four years later, we will be crowned national champions. It's exactly what happened when the Huskers beat Clemson. Four years later, boom, all of a sudden they're national champions. You would have thought that we would have gone on from that game and be worse than Clemson. You would have had me fooled. Next thing you know, we go back. We beat Georgia in the Tax Slayer Bowl. This is after it got flipped from the Gator Bowl to the Tax Slayer Bowl. It's all the people throwing money and promoting it. Yada, yada, yada. Whoever is putting their name on the thing, I don't care. That game is in Jacksonville, Florida. And guess what? The Huskers knocked off Georgia. Four years later, Georgia became the national champions. All I am saying is follow the trends. Jay Saul, if we're following any trends, you sticking up for Jim Harbaugh makes zero sense to compare him to what Nick Saban's doing. Because if Nick Saban doesn't be walking into the national championship, he's on the hot seat almost every year because that's what Alabama wants. If they don't get a national championship, their fans are pissed. If Michigan beats Ohio State, they go celebrating through the streets like they've never celebrated before just to go, what, one more game and get smoked? 
my proof was in the pudding, and the pudding was you gotta keep them for longer than just their first cycle of players. I think you got fooled and you got pied right in the face. Well, Jason, I'd go a little further and say, what has Jim Harbaugh done? He has brought them to the college football playoff. He has won them Big Ten championships. He has beaten Ohio State. When has Scott Frost ever beaten any teams and won the West? Never. What about Mike Riley? Never. Bo Pelini only got to the conference championship one time. It was his first year in the Big Ten. All I'm saying is we should stick with the coach longer and let him. We got to have a ride or die. Well, here's what I'm going to say, Jason. Okay? Jim Harbaugh is not that great. All right? Because I'm not saying this guy is phenomenal. I'm saying that Michigan, the university, gave this guy an opportunity to build a program to win. To com- Sorry, to compete. Is that better lingo for you, T-Saw? Well, Jason, what I'm, what I'm getting at is you're claiming that Michigan is the house that Jim Harbaugh built. The house is already built. So maybe a screw came loose. He took out his little screwdriver, screwed it back in, and claimed he built the house. Because being the coach of Michigan, you're getting five-star recruits. You're getting five-star talent constantly. But it Michigan. took him. But I'm saying it took him a few years to turn his program. And his... that's the problem. It shouldn't have took him five years. It should have took him two. That's all it should have took. You get five-star recruits. Michigan is top ten in recruiting every year. Top five in every other year, probably. So what's been holding them back? And then they make the playoffs, and they get smoked by a team of second-class citizens. Well, I don't know what crack you've been smoking lately, because they definitely are not that high on the recruiting class, last I checked. Also, I don't even know where to start with this argument at this point, because I'm lost in every direction that you just brought up. And, uh, yeah... Um, you know why they gave him so many years there, Jason? Because they don't have the fans like you and T Saul running them out after two down years with your, you know, axes and your pitchforks. Michigan was like, nah, we trust this guy. We'll give him we'll give him a couple more years to turn it around. Meanwhile, they got YouTube battling him outside the stadium every day. Well, that is because they're not giving my guy an opportunity to get in there. My guy has done it at places. He has brought national champions to different schools, different universities. And I'm telling you, Urban would turn it around. Urban could fix any program out there. Chancey, I got to ask you a question. Chancey, I got to ask you a question. (laughs) Do you believe... (laughs) Chancey... Do you believe that Michigan is the house that Jim Harbaugh built? No. Why would anyone think that? He got served a platter and he struck out. 
When was the last time that Michigan won a national? When was the last time Michigan won a national championship or went back to what? 1997 there, T-Saw. I don't know what he was building, but he was gifted a crapshoot just like every Huskers coach that has come in since Bo Politi. So let me tell you something. We need a guy that's going to be able to come in here with a big name and stick it out for a few years. Okay, okay, J-Saw. He, he fixed two loose screws. <laughs> and I think Nebraska's one of the biggest the programs buddy. in all of college football. So what are you going to go with that, T-Saw? What do they got to come in and fix two screws? Because it seems like they're loosening the screws here in Lincoln. Well, J-Saw, that's what happens when you hire an armadillo as your coach. You can't expect to go out there and win a football game. I don't even understand that analogy. Who the heck is an armadillo that Nebraska hired? T-Saw, you need to just lay off whatever spike drink you've got over there and just, you need to chill. You need to take a step back because nobody knows what you're talking about. And absolutely, Jim Harbaugh did not build the big house. So I don't even know why we're talking about this. I didn't even use the term the big house, first of all. I'm saying that he built that program to what it is right now today. He started building it six years ago. Six years ago, they weren't going to the Big Ten Championship and winning. Six years ago, they weren't going to the college football playoff. Is that why his players are leaving? They're leaving because they're going to the draft. Six years ago was completely different. We need a coach like Jim Harbaugh to come in. I am getting behind it. You know what? I would take going to the dance just to lose. You know what, Jay Saul? Just for that comment, last I checked, their quarterback left to go to freaking Iowa. Why, if you're talking up Jim Harbaugh so much, would you not take another chance on him, but instead you want to go to play for Iowa? Literally that- the worst team in the conference, we don't care. Now, Chazzy, Chazzy, Chazzy. It is QB. not fair. It is not fair to talk about Brian Ferentz that way. He runs a hell of an offense for Iowa. Well, you really? guys, because their defense yeah, scored more know. than their offense the last couple of years. Cade McNamara is transferring from Michigan to Iowa because he stood no chance of playing at any other college football program in the Power Five except for Iowa because Iowa, we've seen their offense. They have none. So he's got a good opportunity to see the field. He is not going to get to see the field at Michigan over J.J. McCarthy, the standout sophomore from last year that is a stud quarterback and a dual threat that the Huskers haven't seen since. What do you mean? Their last Heisman. What what do you mean? In J.S.L. that the Huskers haven't seen J.J. McCarthy because I'm pretty sure we've played him twice. That's not what I was saying. Since the Huskers have had one like him since Eric Crouch. I'm still lost at the Armadillo comment. I have no idea how to wrap my head around that. <laughs> Last I checked, the guy didn't even come from that state. <laughs> had nothing to do with that. It was the first animal that came to his mind. <laughs> But let's flip the script back. We are talking about Matt Rule and this Husker 
team for the 2023 season. Do we think that they turn it around? This this question goes out to everyone but B-Saw. We know what his prediction is. They are flipping the script right off the bat. Reality check, that ain't going to happen. Secondly, how many years do you give him to turn this program around? Well, Jason, I'll start you out there. All I'm looking for this year is a glimmer of hope because I'm tired of setting the bar so high to get halfway through the season to know that there isn't even a chance in hell that we make halfway to that bar. I want us in a bowl game. Give well, me a me bowl know. game. A bowl game? So that's your bar. If they don't make the bowl game, you're on the fire rule train. That's not what I said. You, I didn't even get to the point of how many years I want to get them. You asked what I wanted the record to be this year. I want to be bowl eligible. I think you got to give them at least four to five years to turn this program around because if you've seen the recruits prior to this year, he might as well just scrap them all. Okay, so if they go 0-11, is Matt Rule still your coach you want here? Yep. No. Bissell, again, these questions weren't for you. We see we see where you got this team going. It doesn't matter if they're not for me. There's only one answer there. If he goes 0-11, no. Cannon. Well, we know that won't happen because you predicted him to go 12-0, and and we know you're never wrong. I, I am telling you, that's exactly a chazzy, and everybody else needs to understand that. But I'm telling you, the spring game was a reality check. They're not going to go 12-0. and unless something changes here coming out of summer ball. And we'll know more after that first game against Minnesota. But all I am saying, Jaisal, is if Matt Rule does not make it to a bowl game, like Jazzy said, he's done. There's there's nowhere to go from there. So you're on the fire rule. Would you be on the higher urban train? No. If if they let rule go, is that the question? Or no, if we if don't make rule, a bowl game, I'm on the higher urban train. Yes. No. Well, then who are you gonna hire? An armadillo? <laughs> <laughs> I think you gotta give him the same chance you gave the other two schmucks that we trusted to lead our team at a minimum. Now, Chazzy, I agree with you. I think Rule's got at least four years to get his guys in, and the class that he is starting with in 23 is great for having less time to recruit than everybody else, but that 24 class is going to be huge for him, and I think there's enough talent out there with Matt Rule having a full season of recruiting in that 2024 class for Nebraska will be one of the top ones that we have had in the last 25 years. All right, we're moving on from this guy's comments too. T-Saw, I want to know what your input is because B-Saw, he's living on no man's land that nobody knows where he's at, thinking they're going to go 12-0 and 0, or he's going to fire his coach if he goes 0-11. I mean, it's a coin toss with this guy. But T-Saw, well, so we learned that with his, with his uh, Frank Sulich arguments. But... Moving past that, here's what I'm going to say. If we don't get six wins, I'm on the fire rule train because I am not sitting another four years not making bowl games. So here's what I'm going to say. If we don't get six wins, I'm on the fire rule train. Obviously, they're not going to fire him after one season unless some allegation or something comes up. So then the next season, if he proves me wrong, 
and gets eight wins, all right, then I'll back off my fire rule train. But six wins is the the minimum for me. If he goes 0-11, I don't even want to see a second season. And I hope that everyone else is on the same band. Because the way that it started with Scott Frost, I'm not doing that again. We gave this guy way too many excuses, and he started the team 0-6. I am not doing that again. If we start 0-2, I'm, I'm getting ready to write down fire on my paper, okay? I want to see six wins, and for me to think that you're the savior of the program, I got to see at least nine. Nine the off first the season. bat? Okay, In, off the I bat. like where he's going. I if like you're the going. savior, if you're just slowly getting there, six, hey, six, it's like kind of like surviving, you know, kicking the can down the road till next year. Let's see you get seven the following year because – you got to be improving. And if you go six to four, out of here. If you go four to six, you're still out of here. I want to see six to eight or six to nine or straight nine right away to 12. That's what I want to see. Well, Keesaw, I hate to tell you, but four wins would be improving from last year. So you could just take that improvement speech and shove it right back in your chest. Not I where I want to be, be plateauing from last year. You know what I meant. Four wins, yeah. five wins. And we don't need no flat toes. Year. All right, well, let me just tell you, if he doesn't make a bowl game, I'm on the fire rule train. And guess what? He might not even get the opportunity to get six wins before I'm on that fire rule train. If he doesn't win week two against Colorado at Colorado, I'm on the fire rule train. We could have had Dion. We could have. But we chose not to. So guess what? Trev Alberts is going to be on my hot seat too. If he doesn't, first of all, get rid of Matt Rule if he doesn't win that Colorado game right off the bat and bring in Urban to save the day. I am just, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't even know if I want to be a fan anymore because I can't like the offseason more than the regular season. As soon as September 30th hits, I'm already looking forward to late January, February, when I could get my hopes up just to crush them again once the early fall, late summer hits. And guess what? I'm getting tired of it. That is why I just want a little glimmer of hope. At this point, I don't even need a championship. Trophy. Just get me to the championship so I can have a little faith throughout the whole entire fall season. Because right now, it's like, I dread a Saturday. You know, Sundays... I don't even know what I want to do with my Sunday. You know, what? I don't even want to go outside. I don't care if it's sunny. I don't care if it's raining. It's raining on me. That's all I need to know. It is pouring inside my head because these Huskers have been straight up terrible. By Monday, I'm thinking, you know what? Just scrap the season. This season will be over quick enough. Wednesday, all of a sudden, I got a little glimmer of hope because I just saw one play, one highlight of Casey Thompson throwing a deep ball. I'm like, oh, my God, it's going to click. By Friday, I'm already optimistic that we got a chance. And guess what? The week rolls over, and I'm doing the same old thing. I hate the offseason. I hate the Huskers right now. I hate being a Husker fan. Give, give me Urban, and I can flip the script because that man knows how to win. Now, Jason, I think what you meant to say was your Sundays are so – Debbie Downer because the Broncos are just as bad as Nebraska, but I'm not going to get on that topic. I think the real question to ask you is if Urban Meyer went on national television and said to your face straight that he wouldn't even dare touch Nebraska because it is unfixable, 
would you still be backing that man that you've been dry humping the last year and a half? His answer is yes, because he referred to him as Daddy Urban in the last scoop. Sounds like another situation on Urban's hands, if you ask me. That is not whatever I called him. I do not recall that. This is fake news he is bringing up here right now. And secondly, if Urban can't fix it, I don't know who can. Well, Jason, give me the team. I'll fix it. I'll fix the team in three years. Give it to me. It'll be I'm easy. Not, I'm not giving I'll you never three lose. years without six wins. I'll three never years. lose to a team like Illinois. Three years. Ever. You're not even giving the current coach a year. Why would we give you three? <laughs> yeah, he's not even. He, if you don't make a bowl game, first of all, I don't think you should still be the coach of our team after that. You have to make a at least a bowl game every year. This is the new era of college football. It's called the NIL deals. The transfer portal's open. Guess what? My coaching portal's open. You don't make a bowl game, you're gone. You got to come here and earn your money. You don't come here for a payday. You don't make a bowl game, you're gone. You make a bowl game, guess what? And you got only got six wins. Next year you don't have seven wins, you're gone. And I am going to work my way up to the top. And once you get to gl the glory days, then we'll talk about you staying. Let me tell you something. I'm a gambling man, and if T-Saul is the new coach in Nebraska, I would be betting the entire house that we go for every fourth down and we onside kick every single time. And let me tell you, I'd be walking out that season the next big billionaire because that would be exactly how the season would go. We'd go 0-11, 0-12, but I'd be winning my bets week in and week out. You know what? I believe we would actually have at least three wins. I mean, if you go look at the punters and kickers that Scott Frost was bringing in, what's going for it going to change? I mean, they're getting the ball at the same spot regardless. Well, I forgot to leave out that my strength and conditioning coach would be B-Saw. And every loss, those guys wouldn't be getting a water break with him as their strength and conditioning coach. So I would like my chances with that guy running the strength and conditioning on my team. Got to keep those kids hungry and push them to the limit. Sounds like you're speaking from experience there, B-Saw. Uh, <laughs> you got anything to add there silent joe yeah thanks for joining us for another week of the sully scoop you're here with jason <laughs> <laughs> got anything to add yeah hold on a sec <laughs> i'm uh i'm going to bed so thanks for joining us <laughs> and thanks for joining us for another week of the sully scoop you're here with jason b cell and t cell and special guest, Chazzy. As always, thanks for having me on, you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on, Chazzy. We'll have you back on, of course. After we go 12-0. You got a few years to wait, unless you're looking in B-Souls terminology. But don't forget to follow, add, like, and leave a comment to be on next week's Grandstand Gossip. Go Big Red. <laughs>